Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. The Nasty Cast might sound like a silly name for a show, but this is a serious fantasy baseball podcast. Okay, maybe not that serious, but these guys aren't just here to party. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the Nasty Cast, and it is the very first Nasty Cast of the 2022 calendar year. I'm your host, Van Lee, and I'm joined by Ron Rigney. Ron, how are you on this fine, fantastic first week of the year day? Um, I mean, I'm okay. I'm, I gotta say, I was a little reluctant because, you know, I did have the two-week uh, holiday break from school, which was amazing. I actually did some cool things. Uh, had to go back to school Tuesday, had to go back to reality. So I would say that kind of puts a damper on it. But overall, not bad. And I do want to give one quick plug uh, to, to a company for something. And, and you guys, if you've listened to the podcast, you guys know that we are big fans of the other podcast, last podcast on the left. And if you listen to them at all, they have partnered with a coffee, coffee company called Spring Heel Jack, which I believe is in Ohio. And they have come up with this, this coffee blend called uh, the Mothman's Red Eye Blend, and I got some of that, and I wanted to give them a shout-out. That is some of the most delicious coffee that I have had. So if you are a coffee connoisseur, go seek them out. Spring Heeled Jack, get the Mothman's Red Eye Blend, and try all of their blends. They have sample packs you can get. Really, really good stuff, and it's a small, family-owned uh, coffee company. Go check them out. Go support them. Go get some of that coffee. It is absolutely delicious. Interesting. I may have to get some of that for my girlfriend, Katie. She loves coffee. And you said you are back to life, back to reality. Brian Vaughn, what's your favorite soul to soul song? Is it that one? It's uh, actually weird that uh, Ron just mentioned that particular flavor of the Spring Hill Jack coffee, but it's uh, the Mothman. That's my favorite soul to soul song. <laughs> That's a good I one. wish that was real, but it's not. But no, I come bearing gifts in the new year for both of you okay. uh, here on the Nasty Cast. And then this is the first Google result when I Google our names and then baseball player. Okay. So just a fun little experiment that I did. So Van, if I Google Van baseball player, you get Van Mungo as the first result. Whoa. He okay. played in the 30s and 40s, most for the mostly for the Brooklyn Dodgers as a starting pitcher. He led the league in walks three times, but also <laughs> <laughs> but also FIP twice. So interesting. That's kind okay. of interesting. And Ron, you actually uh, your first player poll is Ron Santo, a very good okay. Cubs third baseman in the 60s and 70s. So you got a real player. Uh, I got Brian Banks. A you, Somehow there are so many players that I mean, even Brian Dahlbach would be more famous. <laughs> but Brian Banks, a utility man who was part of the 03 Marlins World Series team and now has his own dental practice. So. Eh, just a little food for thought. That's pretty cool. Good for Brian Banks for moving yeah. on and moving up in the world from baseball utility player to dentist. We appreciate your work, Brian. <laughs> no more hitting baseball. It's time to hit them teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. What dentist do you go to? <laughs> All right. Anyway, well, isn't there a dentist here in town? We live in yeah, the same Dr. area. Dr. Giggles, I think, is his name. <laughs> no, I'm there's sure a guy he's perfectly like, sane. 
there's a guy named like Dick Tooth or something like that. And that's <laughs> yeah, not no, a I joke. know what you're talking about. There's <laughs> a, a regional dentist in Southwest Missouri <laughs> whose whose name is seriously like, yeah, Dick Tooth is probably not far off <laughs> or like Penis Sharp or something. Don't, don't well, Google, that, don't Google that on the, don't Google that on the show and see what comes up, though. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are excited to be back for the 2022 season. Of course, these first several months, we'll be taking a look at the different positions. We're doing catchers on today's show. We also have a little bit of a special treat at the end, bold predictions. I'll try and put it in timestamps in the notes. So if you want to skip around or come back to it, you can. But we have come up with a couple of predictions for the upcoming season, some real, some fake. And we hope you stick around to enjoy that. Uh, before we get into the catchers, though, we are a part of the Bootooing Podcast Network, which is my network. It's how I run things around here. I'm big boss. I'm the boss. I'm a small businessman, <laughs> and I own your asses, boys. Well, we have other shows on our network. We have the Dynasty Baseball Show, formerly the Fantrax Dynasty Baseball Podcast. We talk some more Dynasty-centric stuff, Keeper League stuff. We're going over farm systems in the off-season, so definitely check that one out. We also have the Launch Angle podcast on the network, which is for more you know, high-dollar spenders. If you want to take your game to the next level, definitely check that one out. We have Rob Silver and Jeff Zimmerman. Rob Silver, of course, a high-stakes player, and Jeff, one of the smartest baseball minds in the world. Kind of a dork, but a good baseball mind. So check out that show. And also on the network, we have the Boob Tube Boys, which Brian Vaughn and I do with a friend, Spencer Hendricks. And we take a look at old TV shows and kind of view them from a modern lens and make jokes, and it's a lot of fun. We've done ALF, we've done House, we've done California Dreams, Hey Dude. Uh, what's the show you want to spotlight, Brian? Well, we're about to cover Goosebumps. We've recorded those episodes. Those will be out here pretty soon. Uh, we've covered Columbo, Walker, Texas Ranger, all sorts of fun stuff. Legends of the Hidden Temple, you name it. We've covered stuff, and we're doing uh, basically a new show every couple of weeks, so definitely check out that show and more stuff to come. And I wanted to do a quick announcement here. If you have a friend who has a podcast or someone out there who maybe wants to join a network and not deal with the back end stuff, let me know because I am looking to expand. Shoot me an email. You can reach me. Uh, send it to bootuinc at gmail.com. B-O-O-T-U-I-N-C. As far as our Twitter handles, we've got me at Manly Van Lee. Ryan is at Loud Guitar Brian. Ron is at The Real Made. We are at Nasty Cast Pod. And our sister podcast, the Dynasty Baseball Show, is at Butu Dynasty. And then, of course, for Patreon subscribers, we put out bonus content fairly regularly. Each week, we're doing a bonus farm system review shows, so definitely check that one out. That's patreon.com slash Inc. And in the past, we've had a Slack group where we would allow people to come in and chat with us and chat with other baseball fans, and we're continuing that Slack group. It's a great group of people, and we're opening up to everyone. So if you want to join a fantasy baseball community, check out uh, our Twitter handle, again, at NastyCastPod. You'll have access to the Slack group there. Come on in and chat with us. We really appreciate it. The year's ramping up, and we're getting excited for some baseball. So there we go. That's going to do it for the housekeeping. Let's get into these catchers. And before we discuss them via ADP, let's talk a little bit about the position as a whole. It sucks. It always sucks. <laughs> but, Ron, how has it changed from year to year for you? Is it is it same old, same old here? Do you think there's uh, – how would you treat the position when you're drafting it? It's you know I always I always say that that catcher and tight end in football are are kind of interchangeable for what the way you approach them and what you get out of them and I, I don't think my approach changes too much I mean I always find us find myself when we do these catcher previews always talking about the, maybe the first three four five guys and just saying that they're they're getting picked too high for where I want my catcher 
and I think that's that's more of the same this year. I think you're going to continue to see me wait. And if my roster, if my bench is big enough, I think you're going to see me continue to wait to the point where I can get two guys and maybe mix and match. And, and, and if one of them has to be a prospect that's close to getting called up, I might go that route. But I don't think you're going to see a lot of teams with me spending a pick on a catcher inside probably, I would say, maybe the top 125 picks. I might even wait a little bit longer than that, but I'm not going to have the Salvador Perez's and the JT Romuto's. If you get, you know, if you construct your team to that point and they fit what you want to do, go for it. I'm just not going to be one of those people. And you said yes. catchers are a lot like tight ends. Well, here's the thing. Catchers have tight ends because of all that Ooh. squatting they do. Am Ooh. I right? All them ups do. and downs. All right. All caked up. All caked up. Working on those glutes. <laughs> T-H-I-C-C. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, though, Ron. I mean, the thing about catcher is the top-end talent isn't so top-end that you can really, in my estimation, use one of your first few round picks on one of these guys. Um, this isn't Mike Piazza in the year 2000 or something like that. Uh, we don't we don't have anything like that going on. But uh, I also have had to learn the hard way. You can't really punt catcher and scramble to fill it either. You do need guys, as you said, Ron, that you can mix and match or someone around who might wind up getting 350 plate appearances and surprising you. So catcher is weird in that you can really put yourself in a hole if you wind up with one of the many catchers who slug like 345. But you also really can't afford to be spending a fifth round draft pick on JT Real Muto most years. I kind of feel about the position this year. Well, let me say this. Jeff Zimmerman on the Launch Angle podcast has a take that he brings up quite regularly as we go through our ADP analysis. And he's basically this year afraid of drafting the guys that will harm you in batting average because there's a lot of them. And That's so a very good way to put that. I like that. And he's saying, you know, yeah, don't take the guys who are going to hit 235. If they can get you 245 up, okay, fair game don't really pay attention to those guys who hit really, really low. And I'm applying that to catcher. That's if if I don't get one of the top guys, I must have a catcher that's not going to just obliterate me in batting average. And that's really one trade I'm going for. And to take that a step further is you need your catchers to provide something. I think I would almost rather have a catcher that gives you all batting average, no power, no anything else, than I would rather have a guy who's going to hit you know, 245 with a couple of home runs and score some runs and score some RBI and just give you like bottom barrel percentage of everything, but a little bit of everything. I'd rather have the guy that gives you one category and then I I can build off of that. I think with catcher, you can make that argument even more strongly than with other positions too, because if you draft a guy who hits 240 with 20 homers that plays a different position, the guy might also contribute some steals. (laughs) A catcher who does that more than likely you're getting the 240 with 20 homers, and that's all you're getting. Yeah, uh, exactly. You're not going to get the eight steals, and you're also going to be getting 20 fewer counting stats and your runs in RBI likely from the fact that you probably have like the eight hitter in a lineup. Certainly. So let's get right into these rankings, boys. And after we go through the top 15 or so of these names, we'll give you our best buys or best options outside of the top 20, stuff like that. So right our out of the gate. Best buys are Circuit Cities. Or, uh, oh, I forgot the name of that other one, but it would have been funny. So let's move on. (laughs) I think catcher as a position really has tier one, based on ADP, of course, and then tier two, and then it just kind of devolves from there. But however, I don't think the players are really divided up in that. They're just being bought in that manner. 
the number one catcher, and this is with Fantrax ADP, is Salvador Perez. He's going with pick 41.86. So 41 Far overall. Far and away the number one. Yeah, 30 pick, well, 40 picks ahead of the number two guy, JT Realmuto. So really, that again, that does put him in his own tier. Talent-wise, I don't think that's the case. But let's talk about Perez. Obviously, last year he had the another monster season, 48 home runs and 665 plate appearances, 121 RBIs, 88 runs. That's 200-plus runs in RBIs. He had 273, 316, 544. The game on Perez has almost always been, he's probably not going to give you a great batting average, but he has power. Well, he's been giving you that batting average for the last couple of years. I know we said that going into last year because he had 333 in the shortened 2020 season, but he did it again for a full season in 2021. So let's see. Let's go to Brian first. What do you think of Perez as the number one catcher at pick 41 overall? And do you also just buy this batting average now that he's done it for an extended period of time? There's no way that I would draft Sal Perez in, in, at 40 or, or anywhere near that. I think he could easily be the most valuable catcher again, but I think anyone looking for a repeat of last year where he hits 48 home runs or even 2020 where he slugs 630 might be a little disappointed. Uh, looking at why Perez has seen an increase in power, in batting average, yes. I think he is more of a contact first guy than people realize. And I think him hitting 260 to 280, which for a catcher to me is pretty good, uh, even on the low end of that, is pretty likely. I'm actually more worried about the power surge being what it's looked like the last couple of years. He's hitting the ball in the air less than he ever has. He was hitting it in the air at 45% roughly from 2016 to 2018 or more. Uh, the last two years, he's been at 37.4 and 40%, which is weird considering he's homered more. And that's because his homer per fly ball rate has doubled from 14.2 to 25.6 and 26.4. There's just no way that that's sustainable. I think we're seeing 700 plate appearances or so of a lot of baseballs going out at a rate that no one hits them out at on purpose, effectively. So while Perez has power, I would I'd bank more on the twenty-five-ish to thirty home runs than close to fifty. Yeah, it's it's hard to buy into a home run total that is twenty-one more than his previous career high, <laughs> and, and 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 you know that you're going to get the homers from the position from him in the twenties. But you know, like Brian said, it's not realistic to think that you're going to be able to sustain another near forty-eight season. But one of the things that stands out about that that last season, though, is he, you know, we know Sal Perez has been very durable for a catcher, and you you don't see a lot of catchers that catch every single game. He only missed one game last season and had 665 plate appearances. Last time he last time he went over 600, he hit 17 homers, hit for a decent average. But I, you know, when you, you hear these criticisms about he's not going to give you the batting average, he's a 270 career hitter, which I never would have thought that until I started diving into this. This year, I never really had a lot of shares of Sal Perez. Uh, if, if, if it, like I said, if it's a way you want to construct your team, he's by far, I think, the 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 guy that's going to give you the most from a fantasy standpoint. Just always the big knock for me with Salvador Perez is if 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 you have him in an OBP league, he's going to kill your OBP. He walks single digits every single year. It went up a little bit last year, but still, even with that four point two percent walk rate, him posting a three sixteen OBP, which isn't that great. To me, with that walk rate, it's still pretty impressive. So I, you're going to get the power there. You, you know you're going to get the durability. He's really only dealt with injury just one season. But 
I just think that if you, if I had to pick a season out that I think is going to be a, a fair representation of what I would expect out of him, I would say probably that 2017 season where yeah. he went 27 with 80 RBIs, 268 average, 297 OP, OBP in the 495 slug. I think that's more likely. You might get a few homers. You might find that happy medium between that 48 and 27. But I just don't think it's it's realistic to think he's going to approach that 50 homers yet again. It should also be noted that uh, while the batting average is really solid for Perez, he kind of is an OBP liability in an mm-hmm. OBP league to some extent. Maybe not a oh, catcher. 100%. <laughs> well, sure. But but I get what you're saying. And I do believe that in an OBP league, he is certainly at least the third best catcher. Yeah, he like, definitely uh, takes a hit there. The next two guys are far more valuable in OBP leagues than he is because, like you said, Ron, it's single-digit walk percentages, but it's not even just that. It's 4%. In 2020, it was 1.9, (laughs) 3.1 year before that, 3.4 the year before that. It's bad. He doesn't walk. And I've said this every freaking year we do this podcast. I don't like players that walk that little because if a little bit goes wrong, their value tanks. They don't score runs. They don't drive in. They don't do anything because they don't take walks. And they don't see as many pitches, so it hurts the team, et cetera, et cetera. So I will not be buying Perez at this spot. I get why people are. I still think it's kind of a bad idea. No, thank you. So let's go ahead and move on to the number two guy on this list. It's JT Romuto, and this is uh, you know the former number one catcher for a long time. He's now 31, 30 years old. Excuse me. He last year put up 537 plate appearances, 17 homers, 13 steals. So he got back to stealing quite a few bases again and a 263, 343, 439 slash line. So, Ron, you're getting more walks. You're getting more speed. Nowhere near that power, but still plenty of power, and certainly the counting stats weren't quite there either. But what do you think of Real Muto here at pick 79 overall? Is that a little more palatable for you? No. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, it's a. It's a little better, and I mean, you know, considering you're you're waiting about forty picks to get him, and you're adding in potentially. You know, I've always said about JT Realmuto, you're not drafting him, counting on those steals, and anything you get is just bonus. And I think that you know he he sold double digit bases last year. I think there's no real reason you can't bank on maybe anywhere between the you know around eight to ten steals from him so that's always you know know, any any little stolen bases you get chips into that total and that's fine 60 runs 70 rbis it's just a really solid stat line but i just feel like i can wait a little bit longer and you know minus the stolen bases get something offensively that's very comparable he doesn't really the other thing that I, i do like about him here a little bit is he doesn't really hurt you in average or OBP leagues. He's really solid in both, career 275 hitter, career 331 OBP. So when you can take those two things, you can count on between 15 and 20 homers, 70 RBIs, maybe eight steals. I think it's a nice pick here. It's just something that I don't want to spend my number 79 or 80 pick, whatever it is, on my catcher just yet. I feel like I can wait a couple rounds to get something comparable. I agree. I think Real Muto, I'd rather probably take around 80 than I would take Perez at 40. But, I I mean, the draw here is I think you know he's going to hit for enough average to be fine and hit 17 or 20 homers, steal 8 or 10 bases. And that's very valuable at catcher, but it's also not like a sexy enough thing to draft this high. So, I mean, Real Muto is a very good player. Uh, in some ways, I think I underrate him in real life because I'm disappointed that he's like always the best fantasy catcher. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but, sure. But, you know, you, you know what you're getting and very good player. 
I would take Real Muto 100 times out of 100 over Perez, and that still doesn't mean I'll take Real Muto in any right. drafts. I just don't really want a catcher here. And that was, uh, you know, the next guy on this list, Will Smith. Before we get into him, I'll just kind of mention, I was really liking Will Smith's draft price at the beginning of the year. That has climbed. I think he was past 100. He's at 89 now, so we'll talk about him in a second. But Real Muto, I think, is set up to do exactly like Brian said. Maybe you get 20 homers, maybe you get 10 to 12 steals. Good batting average, good OBP. So that's it. I get it. I 100% understand if you want to draft him here and forget about catcher. You don't have to worry about it. We did see him deal with some injuries last year, and you know he's 30 years old. He's been catching for a long time, so maybe he gets nicked up a bit here and there. Or maybe he does the Yadier Molina, and we've got 10 more years of him putting up you know full-time plate appearances and being really, really good. We'll see. I just I don't like catcher here at this spot. So again, Will Smith, number three catcher off the board, 89 overall. And Will Smith, of these three, I think is the guy that probably can, I don't know, bridge the gap between Real Muto and Perez and kind of their skill sets. I do think he has more power than Real Muto, maybe not as much as Perez. I think he can hit for a pretty good average, but he also takes an absolute ton of walks, not a lot in the way of steals. One thing I want to mention before I toss it over to you, Brian, with Will Smith is he will be someone who benefits greatly from an NLDH. So if that happens, he might get 650 plus plate appearances mm -hmm. and that's more than some of the other catchers might get particularly the two in front of them so of these three i might like will smith the most but uh it's still probably not a price i'm gonna pay but what do you think about will smith at this spot brian i agree i think i prefer him at draft position among these top three the mo of the most and i might just prefer him the most uh his first full season at 26 he hit 258, 365, 495 with 25 homers and 501 plate appearances. That's just an incredible first year, especially out of a catcher. And I mean, all the underlying skills are there. He never looked overmatched. He's only going to get better from here as he enters his prime. I don't think he's going to necessarily hit for any more average or anything. I think he'll hit, there'll be years where he hits 270 or 280. Uh, but I really think he's just a very solid all around hitter. He's going to get on base, he's going to hit for power. And the big key is what you said, Van. If he finds ways to plate appearances other than catching, he becomes even more valuable. Because uh, otherwise, with the way the Dodgers kind of run their team, which I understand, you do run the risk of him missing more games that you could get from other guys. But, I mean, fantastic hitter, probably the best all-around hitter in this group. I got to say that at pick 89, this is the, the first guy on this list that kind of tempts me a little bit to, to, to buck the trend that I normally go with and, and, and pick him. Uh, for all the reasons that Brian said, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to add to that. I mean, there's not really any place, you know, like you said, that he has a flaw. I mean, you're not expecting stolen bases out of a catcher anyway. And, and, and you know, the, the 258, 365, 495 that he gave you last year is, is nice in any format. I, I like the fact that that K rate is a little lower than the other two guys we talked about. Love that double-digit walk rate. Love the fact you're going to get 20-plus homers here. And he plays within an, an offense that is lights out, that has a superstar at just about every spot. So not there's a lot to like here about him, but yet still a little earlier than I want to pull the trigger at this position. Let's move on to the number four catcher on the list. It's Yasmani Grandal. Well, he is man. going to pick 115 overall. Ron, we'll toss it out to you first. What do you think of Grandal at this spot? 
yet again, not not bad. I mean, I don't want to go this early. It's 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 a guy that getting getting up there a little bit in age, so I kind of question how many games you're going to get out of him. Only got 93 last year, and what he gave you in those 93 games was was still really good as far as giving you 23 home runs and 375 plate appearances. I mean, you look at the seasons he's put up before in those 20-plus homer seasons, it took him 632 to get to 28 homers in 2019. So you know he's a good bet for for a lot of pop. You know he's going to walk. You know he's going to make contact. So he's not going to hurt you really in any format per se. It's just a matter of you know, we, 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 we see him coming off of a season where he dealt with injury. So you wonder if that's going to rear its head at any point. Uh, it just and also too, you like to see him. You know, he plays in the American League, so he's got opportunities to to maybe get a little bit of work in at DH. But yet again, I'm not going to pull the trigger this early. But if he slides a little bit, this might be the first guy that I might that I might take off the board because beyond 2021, he played. You know, he's a guy that you you missed a few games here and there, but overall, the last you know 2018, 2019, you've gotten at least 140 games out of him. And in just about every season, you've gotten at least 425 play appearances out of him. So overall, another solid pick, just a guy that I'm not ready to go with this early. That's one of the things I was going to point out about Grandall is he actually has cleared 420 plate appearances every year since 2014, which I would not have guessed um, just without looking. But yeah, he's a guy, if he falls from here, I would also consider, especially if I'm in an OBP league since he's Barry Bonds, apparently. He walked more than he struck out last year, and Grandall does strike out. I mean, he struck out 22% of the time, walked 23.2% of the time, higher than Joey Votto or Mike Trout has ever done. Uh, that pretty, is crazy. Yeah, pretty incredible year from Grandall. Uh, he's 33, as Ron said, he's getting a little older, but you know what you're going to get, a lot of walks and homers, and I, I feel like he's a guy that you might overpay if you take him at, at pick 120 or something like that, but you're not going to be like mad about it at the end of the year because you will have had a serviceable catcher. <laughs> I think I am going to play my hand here because he is on my list later of, of uh, goodbyes. I would say I like him a lot at this spot. I think people are seeing that first, you know, couple months of the season where he really struggled. And I mean, he was, Bad. I don't have those numbers, but from June on, he hit 300, 442, 622 with 17 <laughs> home runs. Absurdly good. And the thing is, is I kind of buy it because he is just is yeah. a good hitter. He's got a long-term contract with a good team, Chicago White Sox, who are going to maybe not ease him into the role, but play him the appropriate amount of times, and he can get some DH at bats. He's good with a coaching st- or a pitching staff. He is, uh, I guess this is the uh, ironic considering the batting average rant I had earlier, but he provides so much in the realm of power, runs, RBI, that I think he's just a a great buy at this spot. And I think, honestly, he probably should be going where Will Smith is going for around pick 90, but the age is kind of tempering him down. You guys mentioned he's had so many plate appearances every, every season. I fully expect him to go back to being phenomenal. And I think this is a result of him missing some time and struggling early on. So I like it. I like it a lot here at pick 115. I don't know that I would ever, not ever, I don't know that I would do it regularly, but I will certainly see myself taking Grandall here at this slot. Okay, let's move on to number five. This one's Dalton Varsho. He's going with pick 130 on drafts on the season. And Varsho, of course, is a 
uh, I guess still a top prospect, at least at the position. He's got plenty of speed. He's got a little bit of power. He may not be a great batting average hitter, but you know the prospect pedigree said that there's a chance he could be. Ultimately, last year with the Diamondbacks, he did play on the Major League team. 315 plate appearances, 11 homers, 6 steals, and a 246, 318, 437 slash line. So, Brian, let's toss it to you first. What do you think of Varsho at this spot? I totally get Varsho at this spot. I would never take him here. I think there's a, I'm a little too frightened of some of his propensity to swing and miss showing up more at the major league level and costing him. But I do get it because he's miniature real Muto in a sense and that he offers a little bit of power and speed. Had 11 homers and six steals last year. Steamer's projecting him to hit 253 with 16 homers and eight steals this year. And just saying that, you see where the value is in Varsho, which is he offers a rare amount of speed out of catcher and still some pop. But I I mean, other than the steals, everything about Varsho is replaceable much later on in the draft. And I can come up with eight or ten steals from an outfielder or or a middle infielder. So for me, Varsho, while an interesting player who also does have outfield eligibility, I I think he's being drafted a little too high. Yeah, I, I, I like him a lot. I want to trust him. I have him in one dynasty league, and I hope it pans out. But I just can't trust him just yet. And for all the reasons that you, you said, Brian, it, it's just we haven't seen enough 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 of it. We haven't seen enough of you know if he is going to be that hitter or not. It is encouraging, though. He did hit 290 in the second half, did hit for way better average as the season went on. He hit 10 homers in the second half, stole five bases in the second half. So did tend to pick it up there a little bit towards the end of the season. But it's something where if you draft him, you obviously want to see him play more outfield than catcher. You still want to see him retain that that eligibility. It remains to be seen if he's going to stick there. They did try to play him in center field a little bit and play him in the outfield. So we'll see how that works out. But I think it's just at this point, when, when I look at guys that have a longer track record that I trust way more, I can count at least four or five guys in the next couple of rounds that I feel way more excited about. And if I'm going to take a catcher in that vicinity – I might as well just pull the trigger on Will Smith at pick 90 or yes, yeah. Monty Grandal at 115, but I still want to wait a little bit longer for a couple of those guys that are coming a little bit further down the line. I don't have a whole lot to add. I just don't really have any interest in Varsho at this point. I think the best case scenario is he catches 30% of the time and plays in the outfield the other 70% of the time, and maybe you get a full season out of it. And if he does that, is that going to be too stressful on him? Will the batting average suffer, et cetera, et cetera? But overall, I see the path to him being a very valuable fantasy asset. It's just not a simple path to take. So I'll pass. I'm just not that interested. And to add to that, Arizona is going to be a horrible team. They're a bad, bad team. So huh, really? that lineup may not, yeah, that lineup may not score a lot of runs. So that might uh, hamper his value a little bit too. All right, that's a top five catcher. So let's move on down the list. Wilson Contreras, of course, with the Cubs. Pick 153 is up next, and in his age 29 season, the power showed back up. 483 plate appearances, 21 homers, 5 steals, and a 237, 340, 438 slash line. Uh, I think we're to Ron first. What do you think of Contreras here? Two L's, by the way. Two L's, two L's, and probably the first guy that I'm looking to get off the board here. And, you know, with the, the ADP... Sitting where it's at at 153, I think this is the first guy that I'm looking to, to put on my team here. I think that I, Wilson Contreras gives you enough offensively. I think he's a great combination of what he gives you 
in the way of stats, but also value here. And had a little bit of a down season last year, 237 uh, for the batting average, but the OBP was still pretty strong at 340. Walks double digits, strikes out a little bit more than I'd like for him to. But I think he's a lock to get you 20 homers. He's a lock to get you 60 RBIs. The only thing I don't like is I don't like how – uh, that offense is, is shaping up. Now, it remains to be seen what the Cubs decide to do. You know, uh, they were famous sellers at the deadline last year, pretty much got rid of everybody. So we'll see what kind of moves they make as far as trying to put pieces around Wilson Contreras. But I really like him here at, at this. You know, he's a 259 career hitter, 349 career OBP guy. And I, I think that, you know, like I said, the, the, the value you're getting here at pick 153, I trust him way more than Varsho. I think he's going to give you – Along the same lines of, of, of the same offense, you're going to get out of Yasmani Grandal, and it looks to be you're going to get it about 40 picks later. So I like that a lot. I don't know what you're talking about, about bad lineup with the Cubs. They've got Patrick Wisdom. <laughs> They've got David Boat, I think. They may have traded him. I don't remember. No, and, and they did sign Clint Tuffy Frazier Rhodes. before. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> somebody's I, lost uh, in that ivy out there in the wall that they can pull out. I don't think I'm as high on Contreras as you are, Ron, but I do think that he represents your last chance maybe to pick up a for sure this guy is a starting catcher. Uh, Contreras is one of those. He's going to get his plate appearances. Some years he hits for average. Some years he hits 230. Some years he hits 20 homers. Some years he hits eight. And in the end, you kind of get a guy who... Yeah, you can kind of expect to fill your stat sheet a little bit one way or another and to start at catcher. I'm a little concerned that he struck out almost 30% of the time last year when he he added power but slugged 430. It was more just bulk power uh, than true home run addition there. So I think he's very solid. I, I, would, um, I would rather have someone like Grandall, though, probably even at the price. I kind of second your opinion there, Brian. For some reason, there's just something I don't really like about Contreras, and it's fine. It's all fine. I think the biggest thing for me about not wanting to take Contreras is a couple of picks from here is a player I would 100% rather have, and he's going 50 picks later, so we'll get into that in a little bit. So Contreras is just not a player I'll have a lot of. I don't necessarily have a lot of faults to give you as to why you shouldn't take him at pick 153, so this is just one of those that yeah. I'm more indifferent towards. That's kind and, of more or less how I felt. Is I'm like, this seems fine because, again, they're just it's kind of like closers in one sense in that there are only so many of them that have a job for real. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing, too, is since I've been going over ADP on the Launch Angle podcast, there are people from picks 150 to 180 I want dozens of. So this is yeah. just not a spot I would take my catcher. I either have Grandall earlier or I would take a guy much, much later. So let's move on to the next guy on the list. It's Adley Rushman. This is a number seventh catcher off the board, big time prospect going with pick 199. And I think quite possibly the strangest selection of this draft and maybe not a good one in my opinion, but we'll see what you guys think. What do you think of Rushman here at this slot, Brian? You think he gets called up after the Super 2 timeline? What do you see out of him as far as hitting the majors running? I think Adley is going to be called up as soon as it, it is feasible for his team. So as soon as he had the status is fine and he's ready to go. Cause I mean, he's going to be 24 whenever opening day is, uh, which may be in like July. Who knows? <laughs> thanks to the, uh, the lockout situation, but he has nothing left to really prove in the minors. He raked at double a and triple a had a great approach. 
Uh, he can play his position well. He's a switch hitter. I don't really like taking prospects inside of the top 200 like this when I don't know that they have a job to start the season, though. That's always going to be the thing for me. And any prospect, Mike Trout did, can struggle out of the gate. So I wouldn't be taking him here. But if you were to tell me he gets 450 plate appearances and is very good in them, I would also be like, okay, touche. I would have liked to have had him as my catcher. But um, too many question marks for me now. And and again, like I said, if you take a lot of gambles, you, you might waste too high of a pick and simultaneously wind up without a guy who plays all year. Yeah, I mean, obviously the long term, I think he's going to be an excellent hitter. I think he's going to be one of the guys we'll be talking about at the top of this list. But I feel like, you know, like you said, Brian, there are a lot of question marks here. We don't know what the playing time is going to shake out as. Most likely, if we see him pick up where he left off at AAA, you will see him fairly soon. However, you know, we see guys that will tear it up at AAA, and it takes them a couple of call-ups and send-downs and call-ups and send-downs for them to finally get it right at the major league level. And I feel like if you're taking a chance on a guy that might have that, that might that might be the scenario, you're, you're taking a chance way too early if you're getting him at 199 because if you're picking him, then you know you have to pick another catcher later on. And how long do you wait? And do you really – you know, handicap your your position by doing that, or could you have gotten somebody like you know, uh, you know, one of the like Kiebert Ruiz or Mike Zunino or Gary Sand- or one of the guys we're going to talk about here later on, and you could have just drafted the one catcher and got the same production anyway. So, if you can get him a lot later, obviously I feel greater about it. But I think just with that name, with him being the, the shiny new toy, I just don't think you're going to be able to get that discount on him. So if you do pick him there, you better make sure you've got enough room on your roster that you have a solid insurance plan if it doesn't pan out the first couple times he gets called up. And you have to roster another catcher for the first yes, month of the season, the whatever thing. it may be. And depending on your format, if that's in an FBC league where you have a seven-man bench with no uh, injured reserve spots, that's tough to do, particularly early on when we're finding out what's happening with teams. So I could even see in leagues like that, if he is drafted there, a team cuts him after the first month because they need the roster spot, whatever it may be. So not a big fan of that. Uh, what I want to say is I think it's the prospect guy. There's always a prospect guy drafting him around here, and that's kind of what's happening. The problem is is the way people are with prospects is if they don't hit the ground running, we get furious with them. We're like, well, we'll label him a disappointment. If Rushman comes up, has 450 plate appearances, and hits 305 but doesn't provide a lot of power, people will call him a bust. And that's not a bust season for a catcher coming up for the first time. That's awesome. That's phenomenal. So if he even succeeds to a little degree, people will be disappointed because they're still using a fairly premium Mm -hmm. pick on him. And 305 with little power is the next guy, basically. It absolutely is. That's what you hope for. Exactly, and that's Tyler Stevenson going a couple picks later, pick 207. Difference is, Tyler Stevenson has his job, and I will say that yeah. I like Tyler Stevenson a lot here. 286 average last year, 10 homers and 402 plate appearances, and I fully buy into it. I think maybe he's not as powerful as some of the guys ahead of him, but he's a double-digit power threat who will hit for average. Remember, this is a one-time top prospect as well. He was, uh, I think, maybe the Reds' top prospect for a few years there. Either way, totally buy it. I'm all in on Tyler Stevenson at this price. And there's, like I said, compared to Rushman, just not the the risk involved with it. And you don't need to waste a roster spot for a month. So I'm all in on Stevenson. Ryan, what do you think? Again, eight catcher off the board, 207. I really like him. Uh, We talked about him last year going into the season and how he had, over the past couple of seasons, 
consciously traded power for contact as a, a very coordinated guy. And it has worked. He gets on base a lot too. If you're in an OBP league, he had a 366 OBP last year. I don't think we'll see a whole lot more power, but if you have a catcher who has a job and hits 280 plus with 10 or 15 homers, that's great. I mean, you can't really ask for a whole lot more. He's going at a reasonable spot too. And he is young enough and has already shown the ability to adjust enough that maybe this isn't all for him. So, yeah, I like Stevenson. Yeah, I think he's fine at this spot. And, and you know, like you said, I, I feel much better about taking him, you know, in this in this uh, area than I do taking Adley Rutschman, even though I like Adley Rutschman in the long term. But I just don't think there's a lot of risk here. I think that you're getting solid counting stats across the board. You're getting a solid slash line. You're giving up a little bit of power. But yet again, if you're waiting until – pick number 200 or 207 or whatever it is to get Tyler Stevenson, or maybe even later if you're lucky, you've probably put enough guys on your team in the rounds prior to that that you've made up enough of those homers and enough of those RBIs and runs. So I think what you're lacking there, he's going to really help your team in those those other categories, and you've already compensated for it with what you've picked prior to getting him at that pick. All right, this is a good time to take a quick break, so let's do that, and we'll keep chugging along this catcher list. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome back to the Nasty Cast. I'm Van Lee alongside Brian Vaughn and Ron Rigney, and we're going to continue down the catcher list here with the number nine player being drafted in Fantrax Leagues, Kbert Ruiz. He's going to pick 234. Now, Ruiz was the, I guess, prize prospect sent to the Nationals in the Max Scherzer-Trey Turner trade. And we can debate whether or not that that was a smart decision or not. Well, we don't need to do that now. Anyway, what we need to discuss is what we feel about Ruiz as the catcher this season in a fairly mediocre lineup. So we'll toss to Ron first. What do you think of Ruiz? Do you like him there this year? Um, I do. I like the. I like him at this price. I like the fact that he's going to get an opportunity to probably be the starter right out of the gate. And you know, like you said, you don't trade what you gave up for to get this guy in return to not play him. And what we did see last last year in the majors, even though it was a small sample size, was really encouraging. There was. I don't think you're going to see a ton of power, but I think that you're going to see a respectable average, respectable OBP. I feel like we talked about him for years and years in our minor league previews. And yet again, you know, if you listen to the dynasty show, we always talk about how we get a little bit scared of these catcher prospects. And, you know, we we talked about him in that same vein and 
you know, we, we see him get traded in, in, in that deal, and we, we've seen him succeed. He doesn't strike out a ton. He never really has at any level. He walks at a pretty respectable rate, considering no more than he strikes out. Hit three homers in, in 96 plate appearances last year, knocked in 15 RBIs. It's it's just, I, I, I think he's kind of comparable to Tyler Stevenson as far as maybe what you're going to get out of him, and I think you get it a little bit cheaper. There might be a little bit of potential for a few more homers there, but you know, like you said, or like you said, Van, it's just this lineup that he's going to be hitting in. It's the same thing, you know. Like I said with Wilson Contreras, I like the skill set here. I just don't like the lineup that's around him, and I I want to see kind of how much that hampers him. But I think with you know with him being you know pick two thirty four right now, I think that's a really solid value for what you're going to get. What are you talking? A rough lineup. We've got Lane Thomas and Alcides Escobar on that team. <laughs> I I really like the the Cabert Ruiz pick here at two thirty four. He's twenty three, and I think being in Washington might have its problems with no one being on base for him and things like that. But ultimately, he has a clear path to playing time and all that he wants. Uh, they're going to want him to take the catcher job and run with it. And he's now finally shown that he can hold his own. Whatever was wrong with him. Um, after he kind of fell from grace from being a top prospect, seems to be fixed. I mean, he crushed the minors, more than held his own in the majors in uh, those 96 plate appearances. I I like the pick here. I think he's going to play. I think, like Ron said, he could offer you Tyler Stevenson with less contact and more power, is, is what I would say. I don't know what I... I just don't think I'll end up with Cabert Ruiz on any teams. That's not necessarily a knock against him. Doesn't walk as much as a lot of the guys we've discussed, so there's a little more room for error as far as that goes. You know, again, really bad lineup where he's probably going to hit like seventh, so not much in the way of counting stats. I think this is just a spot where certainly these next couple of guys, I'll just pass and wait till the end of the draft to get someone. I don't have a problem if you guys want to draft him or if anyone out there wants to take Cable. Well, good, because I'm going to take him. Be my guest, good sir. It's just not something I'm going to do. All right, next up we have Alejandro Kirk at the number 10 catcher off the board at pick 254 overall. And I have not pulled up his page, so I'm going to stall for a minute while I pull up Alejandro Kirk's page so I can read to you his statistics. Of course, with the Blue Jays, Kirk last year at 189 plate appearances, eight home runs, pretty nice power output, 242, 328, 436, walks a bunch, doesn't strike out much, Maybe not a big-time prospect, but certainly someone who's been good in limited sample sizes. What do you think, Brian? Do you like Kirk here? I'm a little too afraid. I think I know a lot of people. Kirk's got a lot of buzz around him because he, you know, he's always hit he's well. A and he's a B. <laughs> the stat cast data, I know, is a big deal with Kirk. The problem is, what will he play? I mean, you still have Jansen there, and you have Gabriel Moreno rushing up the minors. And will it be a mixture of playing time? So I think Kirk is a, he profiles as like a contact hitter with a little bit of power again, kind of like Tyler Stevenson, but he isn't Stevenson in that he does not for sure have a starting job. So yeah, I, I'm shying away from Kirk here, even though I think there's potential. I ultimately it's going to, it's going to require time to prove it. Okay. Pause. Ron dropped off. I noticed that. It actually, for a second, I was like, what's wrong? I can tell something <laughs> what's is different. What's wrong? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's just like, oh, I hate what you have to say at Alejandro Kirk. 
when he oh, gets back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, when he gets back, I'm going to say now that we're through the top 10, we're only going to do like five more. I'm probably just going to, you know, yeah. I'll just lump all five together. And we'll just talk about them in a group. Like we've done that with some yeah. other guys. We'll other. do that. And then when we, you know, come to our final Best Buy and stuff, we will have more. We can talk about who we want. So, yeah, that's fine. It is still recording, so I don't know if he comes back in if that uh if that'll bump it or if that'll just like uh be fine. If that'll bump ass. Yeah, here's the thing about being a piece of shit. Sometimes you say really <laughs> smart things. I'm a confounding individual. Koopa was sitting on something to your right past the water bottle. By this ottoman. And- yeah, there's and he was just them. like staring while you were talking. He's just like fawning over Good you. Boy, he stumbled off. I watched him walk yeah, away. Yeah, he's been. I'm sure what he wants is a treat or something because he's been kind of like coming up and getting in my lap and getting down and then getting mm-hmm. in other places. He doesn't meow, which is, I mean, good. But like Vladimir would throw a fit, and being <laughs> when I speak with a, a commanding presence as I do on the podcast, she gets in my face because she thinks I'm yelling at something. So <laughs> she doesn't like it. So I can't have her in here. But Vladimir would sit around and just shriek. I guarantee it. Yeah, this because... is so weird, but I know when Koopa's going to be talkative. If oh, that yeah. makes sense. Tell. Like there'll be, he'll be in a certain mood and I'm like, Oh, he's got a bunch of shit to say or, or something like that. Cause he'll be kind of rolling around and stuff. But mm. for the most part, he like, uh, like he won't do it for the sake of it. Mm. Um, or out of wanting something, except for if he, in the morning, if he really wants food, he mm. will sometimes get loud then. Then he'll scream. But mostly before that, he'll walk around on me passive aggressively for a while. <laughs> but he's very heavy. So not that easy. Bean does the thing where she shit sit as close to your face as possible and then take her paw and just tap. Yeah. Tap, tap, tap. Just a little <laughs> pat, pat thing. And it's like, wake up and feed me. Vladimir will walk over your face. She will do yeah, that she doesn't 100 times out of 100. So I don't let her sleep with me except for very rare uh, situations because she'll also annoy the shit out of, oh, God, I almost said Gail, out of Katie. And uh, yeah, anyway, that doesn't work out when we're sleeping. So no yeah, more. Yeah, there's, there's going to come a time when if I really need sleep, I will have to lock Koopa out, though, just because of the walking and running across me to jump in the window when he does this crazy middle of the night stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ron said he was rebooting, so who knows, oh, but yeah. it should be just a minute. There he is. There he is. He has rebooted. Ron, colon, rebooted. That sucked. I don't know. I don't like that you're reversed on my screen now, though. It shows up like <laughs> this weird error message, and before I can read what it says is wrong, like it just kicks me out of what nice. I'm doing. I don't know. It did keep us in the same recording. And it is still recording, so we can just yeah. take it right away. So Brian finished talking about Kirk, so you just come in with whatever you want to say. I do. You haven't talked about him yet, right? No. I like how we can kind of see his monitor and his glasses. Can't quite see what he says. <laughs> I can. I guess I can do that to Brian too. Here, let's. I don't know if this helps too. I got to bring all my windows back up too. It closed everything. Can you see a good reflection on mine? Not really. I can just see like colors and stuff mm. like that. If that makes sense. Like you're listening. Can you to see you and Ron in my glasses? <laughs> <laughs> We're so handsome. We're so handsome in our in your reflection. Oh, and then once we finish with Kirk, 
since we're running a little bit long, I'm just going to lump the next five in. We're just going to, I'm going to list off 11 through 15, chat about whoever we want. We'll stop doing the individuals and then we'll give our, uh, you know, best buys and so forth. And then we'll go into the predictions. Let me bring up the ADP again real quick. I'm almost there. No problem. And Brian, this is the first time this winter that it's gotten like exceptionally cold out. Yeah, it's super cold. Which is it's, great. But for the office, 12. then. Oh, that's so awesome. It's it's fine. Like I run my little heater. Oh, that's great. It'll run for 10 minutes, get it up to 65 or whatever, and then it'll shut off for an hour. So it holds heat well. It just doesn't hold cold well. Yeah, okay, my I think, little. I think I'm good. Weather thing that I was looking at says that it is. Is it a rooster? Like a weather vane? Uh, yeah, it's 12 and feels like two. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's yeah, actually, just, it's actually just a it's actually just a rooster that tells him the weather. It sounds like Jim Cantori. <laughs> <laughs> it wears a little jacket. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm up for Alejandro Kirk. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so I, I want Alejandro Kirk on my team for no other reason other than he's listed at 5'8", 265, <laughs> which, is, which is what I look for in my catcher as a, as a, as a beefy boy. So um, That's the Benji Molina line right there. Is that, what that, yeah. that, is like, that is like a double Benji Molina line. That is, that is a stout <laughs> dude. I never realized that Alejandro Kirk was that stout. So That's an old country buffet line. Yeah, that, is, that is amazing. <laughs> Uh, so look, looking at the stats, I, I don't know necessarily if I'm going to be in the market for Alejandro Kirk. I think that, you know, it's kind of like what I said before. There's a couple of other guys I feel like at lower picks I, I feel a little more comfortable with. I don't know that we've really seen a huge sample size from Alejandro Kirk. I mean, the average was okay. The, the power is obviously, obviously there. I just don't know exactly what I'm going to get. So I need to see a little bit more of this before I feel, feel, feel comfortable taking uh, Captain Kirk here. At, at pick number 254, I think I might wait a couple rounds. Or I may have already taken my first catcher at this point. But there's a couple guys beyond this that I think I can get maybe even more production out of. His uh, fan graphs blurb, which is right in front of me, starts with a bowling ball of a human who can really <laughs> rake. And then more stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm just not that interested. I get it when people are because of what he displayed last year. There's just a lot of question marks to be had there. Is he a 242 hitter or is he a 300 plus hitter like he was in the minors or whatever it may be? I don't think he's a 300 plus hitter. So I think he's probably maybe going to hurt you on batting average. The power was good last year, but he's had varying degrees of it. So I don't know where that's going to end up. There's questions about his roster spot. Kind of like you said, Brian, how many games is it? Not his roster spot, but how many games does he play? Et cetera, et cetera. It's just, again, this lumping of players after Stevenson would be ones that I'm just not that interested in taking. I'll wait and get someone else. And that is our number 10 catcher. We're going to kind of lump the next five together. We'll just chat about the ones we find interesting and they get into our best buys and uh, worst buys and that sort of thing. And then finally, our predictions. So number 11, I'll just read these off. We have Mike Zunino number at pick 256. Two picks later at 258, we have number 12 catcher Gary Sanchez. Number 13 is Eric Haas at pick 270. Sean Murphy at pick 14, uh, number 14 at pick 288. And finally, Christian Vazquez, the 15th catcher off the board at pick 291. Let's go with Ron first on this one. Any of these five guys you want to touch on that maybe interest you a little more than the others? Well, I think, I think you're starting to get to the point where when you're drafting your catcher here, 
it depends upon how you've constructed the rest of your roster. So you get a little bit of everything in the, in, in these five. If you're going more for where you think you need a little bit more power, of course, Mike Zunino's there with 33 homers. I believe he was second or third amongst catchers last year with, with in, in the home run category. But also when you look at that 216 batting average, you know that you're going to have to give that up, that 35% K rate. Of course, I have a little bit of an affinity to him because he does play for my Rays. But you got to know what you're getting there, and he's going to hurt you in other spots. Sean Murphy's a guy, too, that I had a lot of interest in that was really disappointing last year. I mean, he, he hit for about the amount of homers I thought he would hit for, but the average, yet again, I would have never thought he would have posted a, a batting average that was exactly the same as Mike Zanino, which is that 216 that I referred to earlier. If you're looking in, in and obviously, you know, Gary Sanchez is, and Gary Sanchez is probably my least favorite guy in this, in this category of five. And then if you're looking for a guy that can help you a little bit more with, with batting average, I think you're going to have to go after Christian Vasquez. Kind of had a breakout year and kind of gave you a little bit of everything. And I think that Christian Vasquez, at least for me, was a guy that I was kind of waiting for him to falter. Never really did. So I think it just kind of depends upon what the rest of your team looks like here. For me, I just, I'm not a fan of this group of players, uh, really at all, because you have the boomer bust power guys like your Zunino, who will not have 30% of his fly balls go over the fence next year. Um, he's also not going to hit 216 again. That's that's yeah. peak of the valley for him. He's going to hit 190 like he always does. I, I think it's pretty likely. And then I echo Ron sentiments on Sanchez. We kind of know what the deal is there. He's going to hit 200 with 20 homers. Uh, Eric Haas is pretty similar. I mean, he had a 286 OBP and struck out 31% of the time. So... And that's his breakout year. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot that scares me there. With Murphy, I do like that he gets on base and he seems like he'll have a job and hit 15 or 20 homers, uh, something in that range. So there's a lot that I do like about Murphy in this group and where he's drafted. He's probably my favorite. Vasquez uh, has really seen his power disappear last year. Um hit for a lower average as well, hit 258 with six homers in a full season. So that to me is is kind of cause for alarm. He kind of forgot how to hit for power uh, <laughs> and uh, walked less as well, struck out less. So more contact, but less effectively. So rough grouping here, but what what would we expect from catchers, really? Certainly, and I have zero interest in the first three names, Zunino, Sanchez, Haas, they're just going to kill your batting average. Sure, they have power, but I don't know. I just do not like them at all. Sean Murphy interests me a little bit because of these five guys, I think his numbers last year, 216, 306, 405, is closer to his uh, floor than yeah. his ceiling. I think he can improve if he hits 250 with 22 home runs. I wouldn't be shocked, and that's an excellent value at this slot. Christian Vazquez is interesting in the sense that Stole eight bases last year. He was caught four times, so not great at it. But if he steals five bases again, he stole four the previous three years, seven in 2017. I think he's a guy that can give you batting average because I think it'll bounce back a little bit and some stolen bases that are, are not zero, whereas everyone else that we've discussed for the most part is a zero in stolen bases. So those are the two guys of this grouping that I would have interest in. And of course, they're the last two guys. So they're you know 40 picks after Mike Zeno, Zunino or whatever. Who the hell thinks Mike Zunino is going to do what he did last year? Somebody, because they're picking him here. No, thank you. So there you go. That's 11 through 15. Let's go ahead and shift gears, and we'll talk about the, the catchers we like, 
And this includes the names we just discussed and names outside of it. So let's just go with the overall category of best buy. Who is the catcher you think you will own the most of, of the, of the catchers on the list? So Brian, we'll toss it to you first and you can give one name, two names, whatever you think. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Kbert Ruiz at 234. I really like a lot. I could see myself getting plenty of shares of him. Uh, Stevenson at 207, kind of the same deal. I think I'm going to wind up with catchers in that range. Uh, if not, though, if you go back to 322, if I find out Joey Bart is starting, that's kind of interesting. Uh, I mean, he'll obviously surge up the draft a little, but he's not done enough for people to draft him too high. Then I also, I don't mind Elias Diaz at 348, uh, who showed power last year and he plays in Coors Field. I think for my myself, the, the area that I'm going to have the most exposure to is probably going to be from about number six to about number 10 here. I, I like Wilson Contreras a lot at that 153. I like Hubert Ruiz also and Tyler Stevenson there at 207. If I'm going to go super far down the list, as much as I love Joey Bart, I'm kind of like you, Brian. If I don't know that he's starting and it's a lock, then I'm going to maybe stay away from him. Travis Darno is a guy that you know was, was injured last year. He's the 17th guy off the board all the way down to pick 313. He could be somebody that could give you a nice batting average, a few homers, not, not going to give you a ton of power, but he could be a nice little bounce back candidate you could get for super cheap. If I'm going to wait a super long time, however, a guy that I'm going to take a flyer on is Jacob Stallings. And that's just because I look at, you know, Miami went out and sought him out, traded for him, uh, got rid of Jorge Alfaro. So it looks like they're going to give him the job as the starter. I look for that offense to be a little bit more improved with guys like Jazz Chisholm, Jesus Sanchez. So he's a guy that, you know, all the way down at almost pick 400. If you're waiting a super long time, I mean, you're getting a starting catcher. You're getting a guy that's going to get at bats as long as he's healthy. And I, I don't know exactly what you're going to get out of him, but I, I don't think he's going to hurt you a whole lot. Uh, let's see. I like Grandall, uh, even though he's the fourth catcher off the board, pick 115. I don't foresee myself doing that in a lot of leagues, but in certain leagues where my team composition up to whatever round that is meets that criteria, I need power and I want to you know lock up this position. Randall's the guy for me, particularly out of those first several. And then I like Stevenson, like Brian said, right around there. And then I'm glad you mentioned Travis Darno, Ron. He's going 17th, catcher off the board, 313. It was injury, which pretty much tanked his season last year. Surprise. 220 batting average. Yeah, exactly. Shocker. I mean, he's not going to have a full season for the most part, but I think he's going to be very good when he plays, and I really like him there. And actually, there's a little grouping. Uh, number 18 is Omer Narvaez, pick 318. 19th catcher, Joey Bart, 322. Kelly Carson Kelly, excuse me, Kelly Clarkson, number 20 catcher <laughs> off the board, 333. I like all four of these guys for a couple different reasons, and Elias Diaz is right after that. So if I don't end up taking Grandall or Stevenson or one of my guys I like there, I will happily wait into the 300s to take one of these guys. And because they're also at a spot where it doesn't quite pan out in the first couple of weeks, fine. I'll cut them and move on. Yeah. And that's not something I'm going to lose sleep over because of where they're drafted. So definitely like a couple of those guys there. All right, let's shift gears here and say bad buy. Who's the worst player of these groups that you have 0% interest in drafting? Go to Ron first. What do you think? Well, the main guy that I'm going to pick on, and I said his name earlier, and I still don't understand why people are drafting him. And he was at one time a early, early pick. I want to say people were picking him in the top 30, and that's Gary Sanchez. And I don't understand why people keep doing this to themselves. I know you're getting 20 homers, but he's hit 
30 homers twice, which is great, but he's, he's out of the last four seasons for a 230 career hitter, he's only had one season where he's hit around 230, and he hit 232 in, in uh, 2019. He's hit a buck 47, 204, 186. His OBP is not, is not that great in any of those seasons. I know he's had some seasons in the past where he's hit for an average, great average in OBP and giving you those homers. I just don't see it anymore. I've watched the guy play. He looks clueless at the plate. I don't know why anybody is going to spend any time drafting him when you can get something comparable many, many rounds later. So that's the main guy that I'm focusing on. And then obviously the guys at the top of the list, not just because I don't like their talent. It's just because I don't feel like spending that high of a pick on something that I don't, especially Salvador Perez, where I don't know what I'm getting. And especially on Real Muto and Smith, guys that I think I can get something similar a few rounds later. Yeah, definitely. There's no no way I'm drafting Sal Perez in the third or fourth round. Uh, Varsho is another one who I, I feel like is just going a little bit too high for my taste. And then, which you just said, Ron, and we've talked about, I don't want to be drafting out of that group of like Sanchez and Haas and, and those just maybe hit 200 with 20 homer guys. I mean, I pretty much echo all of those sentiments. Gary Sanchez was the one on my list. He might be off that team before long because he is detrimental to that the Yankees. He His hitting is bad. It's not a, a positive offensive value. He's atrocious on defense, so I don't know how the Yankees keep chugging them along out there. We'll see if they make a change. Uh, so in that case, I'll harp on Mike Zunino some more. Mike Zunino is a catcher you should get for free when somebody gets hurt. He's bad. Can't put the bat on the ball. He strikes out too much. Sure, he has a little bit of power, but that's it. I mean, with the Rays a couple of years ago, he hit like 165 in pretty much a full season for him. Do not draft Mike Zunino. Okay, so let's be a little bit more positive once again and give us your best option outside of the top 20. And I'll start on this one. Max Stassi is going with as the 22nd catcher off the board at pick 356. And Stassi dealt with some injury stuff, so he ended up missing some time. But year before last, he had some monster performances. And even last year, 319 plate appearances, 13 home runs for the Angels, 241, 326, 426. I think the batting average can be better than that. And I think he provides a little bit of power and he's he's got the job. No one's going to usurp his role for the Angels. So I like Max Stassi there. And then finally, Sam Huff is the 38th catcher off the board at pick 531. Big time power prospect for the Rangers. I don't think you should draft him, but I think you should pay attention when we get to Super 2 status because the Rangers are... I guess, an up-and-coming team. They signed the big free agent deals. They want to compete, and I think once they get past that date or if the the CBA comes out, we don't have a Super 2 date anymore, he becomes a little more relevant to me. So I like Sam Huff there for that reason. All right, Brian, what do you think? Best option outside of the top 20? I had Stassi also because if you're wanting a catcher that hits like 250 with 15 homers, sure, he can probably do that for a lot cheaper than a lot of these other guys, and he'll have a job. Um, and then kind of additionally, like you said, uh, Huff's an interesting one to watch. Jan Gomes, he's at the 28th catcher. He always kind of does fine when he gets a job. So if he is someone starting catcher at the beginning of the year and you can get him as the 28th catcher, Hey, I'm sure he'll do fine. First guy I'm going to go with, I mentioned him before, and it's mainly from a volume standpoint. He's penciled in as the starter, and that's that's uh, Jacob Stallings. I don't think he's going to do a lot that's going to absolutely kill you. You're not going to get a ton of power. You're not going to get a ton of anything, really. 
But I do like the fact that he is going to be hitting in a, in a little bit better lineup. I know that's hard to say that the Marlins are going to be a little bit better than where he came from. But to be fair, he did come from Pittsburgh. So he's a guy that I'm, I'm looking at super late. And then, we, you know, we talked about everything we don't like about Mike Zunino. Well, the guy that they have behind him that can they can put in offensively is has shown to be pretty good last season, and that's Francisco Mejia. And he's super, super cheap. When you go down the list, you got to scroll quite a ways to find him. He's a pick 407. And I don't think that the Rays will hesitate to put him in if, if Mike Zanino struggles. And even though he's not the everyday guy, when they did put him in, he had a couple big hits down the stretch. Still still saw 277 plate appearances, hit six homers, but hit 260 with a 322 OBP. Didn't strike out very much. Walked at a decent clip. A lot to like there. He's still only 25 years old. So I, I think that they up his plate appearances this season. And I think you get a little bit more out of him. And I think he's going to way outperform that 407 draft slot. All right, and let's finish up with the best super late option. This is outside of the top 40, and this is literally just a eh, keep your eye on it kind of player. What do you think, Ron? Any names for us there? Uh, man, it gets it gets pretty tough. I, I think the guy that I would probably have to narrow it down to, because I've got a couple here that you might throw a dart at. I, I would say probably the first one, and, and I'm kind of cheating here because it's, it's kind of close to the top there, but I'm going to go with the pedigree here, and that's Lewis. Camposano uh, from San Diego, and they already have a couple guys in the roster. I know I mentioned when we were looking at putting this thing together, uh, you know, they got Jorge Alfaro, a guy that's eligible there, and he doesn't have a clear path to playing time. But, you know, like I said, he's one of their top prospects, and, and, you know, we get a little bit scared off with some of these catching prospects, but he's a guy. And, and another guy that, that I think might get a little bit uh, of, of playing time that's that's super, super late because of a guy that we talked about that we don't really like here, and that's, and I hope I get the name right, Kyle Higashioka from the Yankees, a guy that I think that is going to be, he's a little bit underrated as far as, as what you get from him, but the, the few times I have seen him play, you know, I, 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 I'm friends with a couple of Yankee fans, and they talk about how they a lot of times they'd like to see him get more of a, of a chance there because Gary Gary Sanchez is terrible. You saw him get in, in 211 plate appearances last year, he hit 10 homers. Average wasn't really there. So it'll be interesting to see what he could do with a few more plate appearances, hit 250 and 50 plate appearances the season before. So he's somebody that I think Gary Sanchez might just play himself out of a job, and you might see uh, Higashioka get a few more plate appearances. And you're paying virtually nothing for him. Yeah, the only guy really down here for me is Campusano, who hit 295, 365, 541 with 15 homers at AAA last year. No one cared because of his bad two weeks as a major leaguer. So <laughs> if he gets a good, if he gets playing time, if he's on the roster, uh, he could be certainly worth rostering if he even gets 300, 400 plate appearances. Uh, but more likely than not, yeah, I mean, you don't want to be drafting a catcher down here. And only one other name I'll toss out there. That's William Contreras, brother of Wilson Contreras. Two L's in William's name, too. Well, it makes more sense more, there. A little more normal, I guess we'll say. Yeah, he uh, has the pedigree. Obviously, his brother is a full-time major league catcher and has you know a couple of stats that could help. Not much in a way of power, but maybe he can hit for a reasonable average. And you know, just watch the Braves and see if they need a prospect to be called up or someone to fill in some time if, if and when Darno gets hurt and go from there. But otherwise, yeah. You probably don't need to draft any of these guys we're touching. These are more reaction picks. So if they get called up or if you've got uh, you know a spot on a deep bench, that sort of thing, roster them there. 
So there you go. That is our catcher bit of episode there. One last thing before we get out of here, we have your bold predictions. We're going to tell you what we think is going to happen this year. We have three each. Uh, Mine are actually all just BS stuff. So I'll go first, and then maybe you've got some real ones in there. Right out of the gate, my first bold prediction for the 2022 baseball season is the Mets face the utter collapse of the franchise when players' checks start to bounce one payday and an investigation reveals new owner Steve Cohen was swindled into purchasing an astounding $11 billion worth of the new cryptocurrency, Sonic Coin Plus. <laughs> now, the inventor of Sonic Coin Plus, who is a mysterious online presence known only as XXX69TiggleBiddies69XXX, then uses Cohen's money to buy the team, which he promptly renames the New York Simps. Oh. And that is my first bold protection. That just seems so There you likely. go, Brian. See what you got. What happens? Okay. <clears throat> Royals infielder Whit Merrifield and Diamondbacks utility man Wyatt Matheson sign a treaty for each of their towns to participate in the building of a new tumbleweed-free canal to aid in the settlement of the American West. Accurate here with these very, very old person names. And let's hope they can do that and, you know, we can usher in a new era of Major League Baseball. All right, Ron, what's your first bold prediction? Well, before I say anything, Van, I'm really upset that you gave away my screen name. <laughs> Sorry. You Sorry, I just that. thought it would fit. Yeah, my it's, bad. It's, and, and I also feel really lame here because I actually picked ones that are actual things that I think could happen. Oh, it's so, probably good that we good. have information. Yeah, a nice, in little, this yes. nice little palate cleanser, I guess. So my first one is that Shane McClanahan is going to be your 2022 AL Cy Young Award winner. That is ballsy. Ooh, very bold. I like it because I hate it when people do real bold predictions yeah. and they're like, Mike Trout will be good. Exactly. Yeah, of course he will. You got to have the courage in your convic or conviction in what you're doing and then be like me and pick Jesus Lazardo to win the Cy Young Award last year. <laughs> <laughs> Which we will do that in a couple of months. Yeah. All right. And speaking of courage and conviction, I'll give you my second bold prediction. After wrapping up his first AL MVP award, Shohei Otani decides baseball is simply too easy for him. So to spice things up, he also takes up the theremin, which is that weird musical instrument where you wave your hands and it goes, ooh, ooh that sort of thing. Oh, anyway, yeah. he takes up the theremin and he releases the number two album of the year, the new wave masterpiece, The Necrotonicon. <laughs> I feel like that joke started out from there. But I it did. Know. That's that's yeah. what I wanted to do, and it, yeah. it evolved. All right, what do you have, Brian? Number two. Okay. <clears throat> Things go horribly awry when Archie Comics character Jughead visits the White Sox locker room and encounters Jake Berger. <laughs> I wondered where you were going with that. Oh, I'm not shocked you brought up Jughead, but I'm glad it made it that far. All There's right, also, Ron, by the way, got? Jace Fry... Also on the team oh, with Jake Berger. Man, this is Jughead's dream. There's nobody named like John Milkshake, though, unfortunately. Not yet. Wait until he's in the minor league system. We'll be up in a few years. Yeah. Uh, yet again, I, I've got I've got another lame actual one. And since we were talking about catchers, I figured I'd make one that was relevant here. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say your top 2022 end of the year fantasy <clears throat> catcher is going to be Adley Roochman. Ooh, wow. Ooh, also bold. And, and also it is happen. possible. I mean, if he sure. just is starting the whole year. Absolutely. I like it. So hopefully, if they ever resolve the CBA, 
maybe they get rid of that Super 2 BS stuff and start paying minor oh. leaguers. <laughs> we know that's oh. not going to happen. And it could happen. All right, my final bold prediction for you fellows today and all you listeners out there. The Texas Rangers, hot off their big free agent signings of Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, decide to fully commit to putting the best they can out on the field. This causes team president John Daniels to successfully petition Major League Baseball to allow the team to introduce new Texas-sized uniforms to more appeal to the native Texan. Now, while the 10-gallon hats are praised by many for their use in blotting out the sun, the mandatory boots and spurs lead Marcus Simeon to the worst season for stolen bases in his career with only two. After getting caught up in the Texas fervor, Colby Allard leads a grassroots campaign which gets newcomer Spencer Howard deported to Mexico, despite Spencer Howard being a U.S. citizen. <laughs> Willie Calhoun is voted the team sheriff. <laughs> also, Nick Solak's horse breaks a leg on the warning track and they have to put her down in a key divisional game against the Astros. I love how all of this has to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's contingent no, on every, every bit of it happening. I went, go big or go home. I went bold <laughs> with my predictions. Maybe you can't say that yourself, but I can sleep well at night knowing I went bold. So tell us your third one, Brian. Seemingly stuck in a rut of never-ending losing seasons, Colorado Rockies owner Dick Monfort throws a Hail Mary, investing in a dozen 1987 Zenith data system super sport convertible personal computers for his front office to use. Riding a wave of new technology, the Rockies finished 59 and 103. <laughs> also, you know, that wasn't a bold prediction. That's pretty accurate for what's going to happen to the Rockies. By the way, they are an atrocious team this year. Just bad. Yeah. There's only and like even two or by three offensive standards. guys. Yeah, there's only like two or three offensive guys you can start on the road. That's how bad that team is. Ugh. All right, great one. Thanks, Brian. Last one, Ron, take us home. Well, I, I would argue, too, that that front office, by the looks of their farm system and the moves they make, they're already using those Zenith computers and have been for the last 20 years anyway. <laughs> well, before they had uh, they had those yellow legal pads, <laughs> that was um, it. Just yeah. a bunch of them. They got a deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so my, my final prediction, probably my boldest one, and it has to do with one of my most favorite fantasy baseball players, and that is Matt Olson. And, I, and this is kind of a prediction for the season but also once wherever once ever the offseason starts up again Matt Olson is going to be traded and will be the starting first baseman on opening day for the Los Angeles Dodgers Ooh, I could see that I could see that who else is at 1b for the Dodgers all I can think of is Adrian Muncy right now I guess it would be Muncy yeah yeah, they could move him to second or third I think it's a move that makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense I don't think Olsen would be as expensive as you think that's a team that can move around a lot of pieces and that's always helping them in trades yeah and Olsen is is on the move I don't think he's with the athletics the athletics are clearly blowing up the team which Mm -hmm. is interesting but yeah All right. Well, great job, guys. That was a lot of fun discussing our bold predictions. It was a lot of fun for our return episode. We'll be doing weekly episodes with uh, positional reviews going forward for a few weeks. We'll see how the CBA winds up and what we're going to do for the rest of the off-season spring training, et cetera, et cetera. But for now, we've got a lot of stuff to cover. So thank you once again for everyone tuning in. We are glad to be back for another season. And definitely follow us on Twitter at Mainly Van Lee, at Loud Guitar Brian at The Real Monday, at Nasty Cast Pod, at Butu Dynasty, and probably something else I'm forgetting, but definitely follow us there. Join our Slack group where you can chat with us and, and other great people 
who talk baseball. And if you have any questions, shoot us questions on Twitter or via email, boo2inc at gmail.com. Boys, anything else before we get out of here? Uh, I don't think I have any tall tales to tell or else I would tell one. So no. Ron, do you have any tall tales for us? Uh, no, I have like some medium sized tales, but you're not ready for those. That's a nice. No. And as the tall man of the group, I demand just tall tales. I guess all of my life is full of tall tales, right? Arguably to go by. I mean, if we're, if we're going by the literal definition, yeah, any, any tell you tale is tall. What? That's a good tongue twister. I like Mm -hmm. that. Well, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, that's it. So for Brian, for Ron, I almost said for Van, I'm Van. And we will catch you next time on the Nasty Cast. And may the fantasy gods shine upon you.